and welcome to the Meeple and GameStack podcast, a podcast all about board games, whether it's getting into them, getting the most out of them, or just having a good time. This is podcast number 28, and as always, I am your host, Mitch Brown. And on today's podcast, we are going to be wrapping up Reiner Knizia Month where we reflect a bit on our experience with playing his games and kind of delving into his designs and board games over this past month. But first, we're going to be talking a bit about what we've been playing recently. Once again, not too much to report, as we've been focusing pretty heavily on Reiner Knizia games this last month, but have snuck in a couple games of Clank, which is still wonderful, still satisfying deck builder with just the nicest of, like, fantasy drippings on top of it and a bit of competitiveness and a race kind of element between the other players and you. I've also been playing a bit more of the quest for El Dorado, just to really be sure. Definitely left a more negative, I guess, review of it on our last episode, and just wanted to be sure of how I felt about that game. And yeah, really, I will stand by what I said last time. My opinion did not change with a further play of it. And even with the two stacked like that, Clank is just the more satisfying deck builder of the two of them. And interesting that they are both kind of race sort of deck builders. But yes, that's what we've been playing recently. And now for the feature topic, which is the conclusion to Reiner Knizia Month. So, man, what a month it has been for games. Honestly, we've played some really, really tremendous games. And we've played a lot of games. After the first month of Uwe Rosenberg and the crunch of getting those big, heavy designs of his and trying to squeeze that into a month and try to get all those designs learned, played, and covered for the podcast, and at least played enough to have an educated opinion on them, this month has been really, really interesting. First off, we played twice as many games. Well, six as opposed to four I actually have a couple more that we just didn't make it to, Blue Moon City and High Society, that we just, I don't know, didn't really have time to cover. Moving forward, probably will not do that many. But it has been a great time in learning all these games and trying such a variety, so I don't at all regret a, you know, larger sampling of Reiner Knizia, because he really has some really varied designs. But what you can pick out And I guess his style and kind of signature things, I'd say first off is that a, I mean, not necessarily simple, but yes, a simple rule set. Usually his games are one or two pages. You're not going to get a whole manual and then a codex that has all the hard legal rules in long speak out here. Generally, they are very short, both teach-wise and just the amount of rules overhead that you have to cover in these games. But then I'd say also another thing is Usually that does not mean a simple game. Generally, he does a lot with a little in a way that is really minimalistic, I guess, as far as design goes. Which after, I mean, not that I don't like Uwe Rosenbergs or anything, but going from such, I guess, heavy and uh, crunchy games and teaches and mechanics for that, diving into one of the first games we covered was Lost Cities, and it was like, oh... Holy crap, I just taught a game in like under 10 minutes. Under 5 minutes for Lost Cities? Really, it was just kind of a breath of fresh air to be covering these lighter games and being able to, you know, read the rules, get a teach, and get them playing super quickly was really nice and something that I can definitely appreciate about Reiner Knizia's designs. 
And apart from that, it's pretty tough to pick out an overarching style because his games are quite varied in their design. I would say yes, with the simple rules overhead also comes that surprising amount of depth and I guess meat of the design of his board games is done with very few ingredients, I guess. I would also say I think he's kind of retained the best parts of the 90s. And what I mean by that is that games in the 90s were very, very bitey. Often it was, if you play this card wrong, you lose a turn, you lose 10 points, and you go back down the racetrack. Like, usually punishments were very severe by modern standards, or at least the competition was very bitey or very knives out. Like, it was just, usually a punishment from a 90s game is very, yeah, severe or harsh. But I feel like he's kept kind of the spirit of that without the feeling of severity of the punishment. His games are bitey and competitive and lets you do that, but also in a way that's not too bad while also keeping that tight competitive feeling to them, which is really satisfying. As well as the same sort of feeling that I said about Uwe Rosenberg's designs, just the rock-solid design. They are like a semi. It's just this huge, I mean, mechanical beast that works great and does its job very, very well. I would say Reiner Knizia's are like a family sedan. Generally, there's less to it, but it doesn't mean it, I don't know, doesn't work nearly as well. And it does a job, but it does a very different job and gets a different end result. But yes, the same feeling of rock steady design. What that weird car analogy was getting to is that same feeling of absolute rock steady design in the actual mechanics and how things fit together. And I guess moving on to his games and what I thought about them as kind of a review, man, there are some really, really great ones here. And it makes me very interested to find out more and more about his designs and what he's done. My City has just come out. We didn't really have the chance to get it for the podcast and figured, you know, the eight games or six games that we were going with was quite enough, but I really look forward to finding out how that goes. A tile layer that also has legacy mechanics sounds great. I look forward to comparing Tigris and Euphrates when I eventually get them played versus Yellow and Yangtze, and same with Through the Desert and Blue Lagoon. I'm really interested to see how those stack up when compared side to side, and just checking out more of his designs in general because he still has I mean, a ton of games that I have not played of his. While we did do almost twice as many games for this designer, I feel like I just scratched the surface of his stuff. I feel like there's definitely a lot more to discover here. But if I had to rank them, I guess, for myself in what I enjoyed, the worst of them would be the Quest for Eldorado. Surprising. I was really surprised by how much I didn't like this game. And it was interesting to just come across that when everything else was really great. And that'd be on really the only one that I wouldn't really recommend. I mean, your mileage may vary. <laughs> I encourage second opinions, but yeah, it was not for me and just feel like you can get a better experience elsewhere. However, then I would put ranking up is Lost Cities. And this is probably the biggest jump in difference here where I think Lost Cities is good. Honestly, it feels like it has been part of everyone's board game collection and I just forgot about it for whatever reason. Like I now, after playing it, it feels like it should be in everybody, you know, your grandparents game cupboard next to all the kind of more general audience classics. 
It really is a a simple and good game, and I would really recommend it. There are better, of course, but it is still, you know, a good game. Next, I'd put Blue Lagoon, and this is really getting into the ones that I really liked. Blue Lagoon, the art is great, the production is great, they are not nearly the best part as the gameplay is just this wonderful competitive... It's not a race game, but it feels like a race as you claim spots on this map and trying to get everything that you want before someone else does feels like a race sometimes. And this one is a great bit of family fun and just competitiveness. Next, I'd say Battle Line. Oh, Battle Line is a great two-player card game. And man, I don't know, it's just really great. It's really satisfying. It feels like a more traditional and kind of simple card game and really is a good one and one that I intend to keep around for sure. Next, I'd say, and there's only two left of the ones that I've covered, my next favorite, I'd say, is Modern Art. And Modern Art really feels like a work of art. It's really remarkable in its design. By the rules description, it feels like you should be juggling Rubik's Cubes while you're on a bicycle, and you don't know how any of these things are going to kind of fit together and work together, and yet it just does in a really natural and enjoyable way. And I really look forward to playing Modern Art more in the future because... First off, it's just such a great experience. I really haven't played, like, m many auction games at all, so really it was a new experience for me and one that I really enjoyed. But also, I feel like there's so much more to discover with this one. The depth, I think, is really tremendous with the rules that it gives you. And lastly, to my favorite of the games that I've played for Reiner Knizia is Yellow and Yangtze. I feel like Yellow and Yangtze gives me the vibes of... I mean, this is kind of personal, but uh, Age of Empires 2 for the PC back in the day, just the kind of civilization building, I guess mixed with a bit of chess in the tactility, the dynamism, the amount of incredible plays that you can do in this game and that you're going to absolutely sail by and realize that you could have done in hindsight. But really, this game is tremendously good. All the art and production is great and really satisfying to the touch. And... The gameplay is intensely strategic and open and dynamic. This is one where I feel like I can play it 20 more times and I will still have lots to discover. Yeah, and really was blown away by Yellow and Yangtze. That is going to be one of my favorites moving forward. I really like that game. And really showcased, I think, Reiner Knizia's skills as a designer in that game. It's really a tremendous design. It's really incredible. As for am I keeping them? Yellow and Yangtze, yes. Modern Art, yes. Definitely keeping those. Battle Line, I'm actually, you know, yes with an asterisk. I'm looking around to see if I can find a newer version. There's a newer version and I just like to have a little prettier cards of my copy for it. I mean, that's just me. I don't think the design has changed at all, so I'm going to try to pick up the Battleline Medieval because I think it's basically the same game, just with updated art. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely going to keep a version of it in my collection. Blue Lagoon, definitely going to keep around. And Lost Cities, yes, we're going to keep around. I don't know. Lost Cities is good, but not great. And with how many games I'm covering for the podcast, I feel like it may get pushed out of my collection eventually. But for now, yes, keeping. Quest for Eldorado, no, no thank you. <laughs> I'm good. So next we come to Do They Live Up to the Hype? And it's an interesting question because, yes, I feel like 
Reiner Knizia is possibly the biggest name in board game designers. I feel like he's really helped, I don't know, godfathered board game design to to where it is today. And I don't think his influence on the industry can be understated when he's been so prolific and put out such incredible games that have contributed to it. I think a lot of his games helped establish kind of genres of games. And with him trying new things, I think it definitely opened up other designers' eyes to start trying out these kinds of things. Yeah, I really think he just remains a kind of titan of board game design. So trying that out for myself has been really interesting and a really interesting experience to actually see and play them for myself. Do they live up to the hype? Yes, I think they are. I mean, oh God, yes and no, because it's a complicated answer as well, because they're not... On one hand, yes, they're really tremendous designs, and you can really see in modern art and Yellow and Yangtze, you can really see how much depth and kind of skill at his craft, and I think those really are on display in those two designs. It can't help but like speak volumes to the skill of the designer in those, and I think they're really tremendous. So on one hand, yes, he lives up to the hype. On the other hand, um, once things have reached a certain point of hype, it is hard for anything that tangibly exists in this world to live up to them. They're not titanic, colossal games that are going to change your life. I mean, they could, they're great, but that's more circumstantial, I feel. So actually having them tangibly and real and having played them, I mean, they don't live up to that incredible amount of hyperbole hype. But yes, they are still tremendous games. And so, yes and no, gonna cheat my answer a little bit as to whether they live up to the hype. And... This is one where if you are listening and you haven't tried these, I would really urge you to play Blue Lagoon, Modern Art, or Yellow and Yangtze anytime you have the chance. I do think they're really tremendous, and as much as I was saying they don't really live up to the hype, I really do think they stand as kind of cornerstones in the hobby, and something that you should definitely experience for yourself. And I guess moving on to what I learned from this month, I was just really pleasantly surprised. I wasn't expecting, and I think this is probably the main thing I learned from this, is that I think in recent years and in the hobby, the slant is to ever more complicated games. We want games with more bits and more add-ons and more systems and more moving parts. And I was so pleasantly surprised with this month because Reiner Knizia does not (laughs) give a shit about any of that. His games can be amazing with two-page rule sheets, or one-page rule sheet, if it's double-sided. It really opened my eyes to complex does not equal enjoyable, or good, or good design. And that kind of was a little eye-opening for me, to be honest, because now, looking back, I feel like moving into the hobby, once you, you know you figure out, oh, there's other board games, and then you kind of get into it, and you realize that hobbyist board games are a thing. The games that are really hyped are generally by hobbyist board gamers, and especially in online communities, I feel like are heavily slanted towards very complex Euro games. There's still kind of that disdain around, well, Ameritrash games. Literally, it's in the name looking down on it, and thematic games in general. And the heavy slant is towards incredibly complex and thinky and heady Euros. There really is the kind of the, they're talked about as if just complexity is, you know, equals goodness or 
enjoyableness. And really just this is not the case. And it's incredible to kind of see how I think board gaming and how it's talked about, I guess, media or the discourse surrounding board games slants the conversation towards these heavy designs. And that has been really interesting. And I guess kind of, yeah, a revelation for me. So I think it's definitely going to impact my outlook on board games moving forward. And here I was earlier saying that, you know, <laughs> that these games aren't going to change your outlook on games. Ooh, well, <laughs> I guess they kind of did, to be honest. And I'm certainly interested to try out the heaviest heavy games. I want to try some, you know, <laughs> the really big boys to see how I do. But to be honest, I've had such a great time with these more simple games that it's certainly stopped me from rushing headlong into just more and more complexity. And I'm definitely going to be keeping more of an eye on more simple games now. And yeah, I think that overall that's, <laughs> I mean, great for me as a reviewer and will make sure that I'm actually more balanced. Of course, I try to stay unbiased, but like all humans, I am incapable of being totally unbiased. And I really feel like this month has helped, I guess, round out my opinion on board games and ultimately been good for me as a, I guess, critic and someone who talks about board games on the internet and has only made my, I, I don't know, weirdly, I guess, opinion on games more valuable. I feel more educated by this experience. And if it's something that you haven't done for yourself, I do really suggest diving into some Reiner Knizia games. Can't recommend it enough. They're incredibly solid and enjoyable without being complex, and that's revelatory. And as much as I feel like I could keep going on and on about Reiner Knizia's games and his designs, I think I'm going to take a note from the designer himself and leave it here, uh, leave it a little more simple and I guess, yeah, revelatory. <laughs> but that is going to do it for our podcast today. As always, thank you to the artist Grumpy Snorlax for the use of their song Cerulean as our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've found it valuable, if you've liked hearing about Reiner Knizia games, I guess first off, go play some Reiner Knizia games. But if you want to help out the podcast, please tell a friend. If you have online buddies or forums or whatever board game communities you're part of, even your local game store, uh, just let people know that there's another good podcast to listen to. It's the best way to help out the podcast right now, just kind of word of mouth. <laughs> as much as my logo might look fancy, we don't have the money for advertising or anything. So word of mouth is how this podcast is going to grow. And if you found it valuable and a good experience, please do so. If you want to help out with the algorithm, give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. And I guess most importantly, keep listening and <laughs> playing board games. But yes, as always, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.